All the dads who give all they've got and everything Hold they are for their families. Yeah. You know who you are. <laughs> Every time you hear the word dad, father, pop, sir, and even hey, you get it. So from all of us, thank you that you crack up. You're always there to open up. You even attempt to pull up. As the world changes around you, you do your best to keep up. You, Dad, hold up. You build us up. You show us what it means to man up. Sign up. And make the time to catch up. And in the most ordinary of days, and the most of ordinary circumstances, you take the time to look up and count your blessings. We may not say it enough. We are better because you pray up, stay up. And as we grow up, you, Dad, choke up. And when we seem to be at our lowest low, you even help us keep our chin up. You're there for the checkup. Hang in there, big guy. And the cleanup. And you take the time to listen up. And read up. So, Dad, thanks. Thanks for sowing love, for teaching right from wrong, for being willing to go the extra mile. You surrendered the comforts of doing things halfway. You prayed for us night and day. You stepped up to be your best many times when we were at our worst. As life goes on, we know there will be troubles in this world, but we won't fear. We will hold our heads high and be of good cheer because you showed us the one who has overcome the world when you showed us Jesus. So, Dad, that's it. Thank you. And happy Father's Day. So, so grateful for the men who shepherd and who lead, who encourage and challenge their families to follow hard after King Jesus. The Lord has been so kind to so many of us to give us faithful, humble, godly fathers. And so if the Lord has graciously given you that gift, make sure you take some time to say thank you. For some of us, the Lord, um, for whatever reason, has not allowed us the opportunity to have that faithful, humble, godly father. This is what the beauty and the majesty of the gospel is that through Christ, you have access to the perfect father, the heavenly father who knows you and loves you and will shepherd you well even to the end of your days. You know, one of my favorite gifts that my children has given to me is a drawing that he made. And you can see it up on the screen. It's, I've got it framed for my office. And in this picture, my son made a portrait of me. <laughs> and I think it's fantastic. And it says, I love you so much, Dad. Ran a room, D, okay? This is just so... Great, and I, I treasure this because he wanted to draw a picture of me. He wanted to put in print a reflection of what I was like. Well, what we see here is my son's view of trying to put down on an object what I am like. 
Well, that is actually pointing us to something that's even bigger, a way in which God, through people, makes image bearers a reflection of what he is like. That's the point Moses is making in Genesis chapter 1. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're beginning a new sermon series today called Imago Dei, which is Latin for the image of God. Every man, every woman, every child, every baby in utero is made by God and in the image of God. And for the next two weeks, we're going to be studying two verses. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Now we are going to swim out into other texts of scripture, but we'll be returning back to these two verses as the dock in which we hang out on and study in-depthly. There is so much rich content right here in these two verses. The word Genesis, it means beginning. Moses, the human author of Genesis, tells us in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And from verse two and following, we'll learn how God did exactly that. Over the course of six days, God made land and water, the fish, the birds, the plants, and the cosmos. Elohim is the creator of all things. And after each day, he would look upon his work and say it was good. On day number six, God made the animals, the livestock, the creatures that crawl on the ground, and it was good. And in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God's design is for all of mankind to reflect what he is like. He made us as image bearers who point the world around us to himself. Notice these three truths from here in the text. I want you to see first that you were made at God's initiative. You were made at God's initiative. Look at verse 26. The text says, let us. The words let us make in verse 26 are just one word in the original language, but you'll see in English there are three. Let is a leadership word. When kids are in a neighborhood, you can quickly find out who the leader is by who is saying the word let's. Let's go ride bikes. Let's go play ball. Let's go play video games. Let's race. The word communicates initiative. In verse 26, God shows his initiative by declaring, let us make man in our image. Now, God has shown his divine initiative, initiative 12 times already in Genesis 1. He has said, let there be light. Let there be water. Let there be land. Let there be birds that fly across the sky. You see, God initiates creation through his own choosing and created the world ex nihilo, out of nothing. 
There was nothing, and then God spoke, and there was something. He is the creator and the maker of all things. In fact, it's through Jesus that all of creation was made. John chapter one, verse three, speaking of Jesus, John says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The text makes a reference to the triune God in verse 26 when it says, let us make man in our image. Now we'll dig deeper on the word us in a few weeks, but for today, it's a reference to the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here we see the beginning of man is all because God is taking the initiative. God is taking the first step. God is leading out in the creation process of making mankind. God is making man out of his own prerogative. Now this truth flies in the face of evolution. Evolution says that we came into being through the process of natural selection and we evolved into what we are now. Evolution says that we exist by chance, but image bearing says that we exist because God made us on purpose. Hear me on this. God made you on purpose and with a purpose. What is that purpose? to know and follow Jesus Christ. This is why God made you in his image, to know and follow his son. You see, throughout the creation process, we see God who is the divine initiator, which is pointing us to Jesus. He is the ultimate initiator. We see it throughout his life and his ministry. Jesus took the initiative to call the disciples and say, come and follow me. Jesus took the initiative to go through Samaria and transform the life of an immoral woman and turn her into an evangelist to Sychar. Jesus took the initiative to preach and to heal and to perform miracles. Jesus took the initiative towards the end of his earthly ministry to set his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus took the initiative that when it was his time to suffer before Pontius Pilate, he would stand firm. Jesus took the initiative and volunteered to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus took the initiative to appear to the women first after his resurrection. Jesus took the initiative to cook breakfast for his disciples after they had departed from him at his point of greatest need. Jesus took the initiative to gather his disciples and to commission them to go and tell the nations all that he has accomplished. Jesus took the initiative by gathering his disciples on the top of the Mount of Olives and ascending back up into heaven to sit down at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus took the initiative to reveal to John on the island of Patmos what the end of the world is going to look like. Jesus took the initiative to go and prepare a place for you. Jesus took the initiative to call you unto salvation and to trust in him by faith. And there's coming a day in which Jesus will take the initiative and he will call you to himself in his new kingdom. He is a God who takes initiative. He is the one who starts it. He took the initiative in making you in his image. He made you on purpose and with a purpose, and that is to know and follow Jesus. 
I want you to see secondly in the text that you were made through God's personal involvement. God's personal involvement. Look at the text. Moses writes, let us make man. That word for make, it means to fashion. It means to form something together. Now this word has not shown up yet in chapter one. Thus far, when God has created something, he has done so with his word. When God speaks, it comes into existence, but not here, not in verse 26. When it comes to the apex of creation, the making of man and woman, what we see here is God using not his words, but his hands and his breath. Let me show you. Look, look over at Genesis chapter two. In Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a living being. We have seen how God takes the initiative, but what we also see here is God is getting personally involved in the forming of man. God forms the man from the dust of the earth that he made. He then breathes a living soul into Adam, and it was then that he became a living being. That word for formed in chapter two, verse seven, it's a word that refers to God's creative activity, like a sculptor working with his hands to fashion a masterpiece, like a potter who forms and fashions the clay into a pot. You see, when God made you, he fashioned you with his own hands. Isaiah 64, verse eight says, yet Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We all are the work of your hands. Just as a young child will take Play-Doh and fashion and form an object, so too does God, when he made you, use his skillful hands to craft and to shape and to form you even when you were in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Job tells the Lord in Job chapter 10, he says, your hands shaped me and formed me. You formed me like clay. You clothed me with skin and flesh and you wove me together with bones and tendons. You gave me life and faithful love and your care has guarded my life. You see, one of the reasons why murder and abortion is so abhorrent is because it is destroying an image bearer. It is the extermination of someone who has been made in the image of God. It is the destruction of a masterpiece in which God deems that person, as small as they may be, as weak as they may be, 
as vulnerable as they may be, they still have value. He looks upon that creation and says, I made that. You see, God was personally involved when he made you. He didn't delegate your creation to an intern angel. He didn't just think of you as an afterthought of something that he might get around to at some point. He knew you long before you were born. Hear me on this. There is no such thing as an unplanned pregnancy. Your parents may not have planned you, but God sure did. In 2010, Christy and I accepted the referral to go and pick up our boys from Ethiopia. They were, by legality, our sons. And we decided, you know what, we're good with three. We're gonna stop. We're just gonna say, man, we're gonna get these boys home and we're gonna, this is our family. One week after we sell all of our newborn stuff, Christy finds out that she's pregnant. Fear and panic and anxiety filled our hearts. What are we gonna do? This was not according to plan. Four kids, three and under, what are you doing, Lord? But you see, even though we hadn't planned it, God sure did. And he knows best. He knew what he was doing. You see, God is the one who plans you. Your parents may not have planned you, but God sure did. Long before the foundations of the earth were ever laid, God knew that you would exist and you would come into being, which means this, you are not a mistake. You're not an oops. You were planned by almighty God and God don't make junk. That's bad English, but great theology. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God crafted, he fashioned you, he made you, which means this, you have intrinsic value because the author of life is the one who made you. The Lord sees your life as precious, not so that you can walk around saying, I'm awesome, it's so that you can say, God is awesome. Look at what he has done. You were made by the master craftsman to be a living, breathing, visible representation of what he is like, which is in part why Satan hates you. You reflect what God is like. So when the enemy whispers in your ear, you don't have any value, identify that for what it is, a lie from the pit of hell. God is the one who made you and he is the one who says you have value because he says I am the one who made you. You bear my stamp of approval because I'm the one who fashioned you together. So when the enemy whispers those ugly words of lies and falsehood, you remind him of the truth. I was made by almighty God. I am precious in his sight and he loves me so much much that he not only made me, but he sent his son to die for me and to raise again on the third day for me. And one day I'm gonna be with him forever. That is the truth. That's the foundation that you stand upon. 
when the enemy lies to your heart, you speak the truth of the word of God. You see, the beauty of the gospel is that King Jesus sees your body and your soul as valuable. He proves it ultimately at the cross. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. He's so personally interested in your welfare that he fashioned you, fashioned you in your mother's womb and he sent Jesus to die and rise again for you. It's coming a day, he's coming back for you. How great, how great is the Father's love for us that we should be called children of God. And all because of Jesus Christ, that is what we are. So you were made at God's initiative. You were made through God's personal involvement. But number three, you were made in God's image. You were made in God's image. Look at verse 26. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Moses reiterates verse 26 and applies it to men and women in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God made us in his likeness, in his image. Now, not just physically, but spiritually and morally and relationally. You see, as image bearers, there are ways in which we are like God and there are ways in which we are not like God. Some ways that we are like God is that we are moral like God. God is perfectly moral in all of his ways. He has never sinned. And yet he made us to know right from wrong, good from evil, you and I have a conscience, con meaning with, science meaning knowledge. When we sin, we do so with knowledge that it is wrong. Romans 1 tells us, however, we suppress the conscience. We suppress the truth. Everyone who is far from God knows that when they sin, they are sinning against God and that it is wrong. God has already written the law on their hearts. And yet the Lord has made himself known to us that as the lawgiver, he shows us what is right and wrong. We are moral beings. Well, we're not just moral beings, we're also spiritual beings. Jesus says in John 4, verse 24, God is spirit. Simultaneously, God in his kindness made us with a spirit or with a soul. Sometimes the Bible calls it that. But you see, when you and I were born physically, we were also born dead spiritually. Our soul was dead on arrival. But when someone shared the gospel with us and told us about Jesus and we believed the gospel, it's at that, that moment that our soul comes alive forever. We are eternally, spiritually alive all because of the gospel. So God is spirit and he has placed his spirit within us. C.S. Lewis said it really well as he said, we are not uh, bodies with souls. We are souls with bodies. 
Okay, there's a sense in which we have a spiritualness that is implanted within us by God when he made us. Not only are we moral like God and spiritual like God, but we're also relational like God. Now, again, we're going to unpack this more in a few weeks, but there's a sense in which God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have perfect unity and harmony within their relationship. As an image bearer, we too long for meaningful relationships just like the one who made us. And again, we'll pack, unpack that again in a few weeks. So there's ways in which we reflect his nature and character. And yet simultaneously as image bearers, there are ways in which we are not like God. We are not God and we cannot become gods. Okay, here's some good news. There is one God and you're not him. That's good news. And you and I, we can't become gods. Hey, we're, we're, we're not Mormons who think that you can eventually become a god. It's not in the scriptures. We're not Oprah who says that we are types of gods. No, we are not. There is one God and you and I are not him. And there's a sense in which we are not like him. We are created, he is the creator. We are finite, he is infinite. We are sinful, he is holy. We are limited and he is eternal. We are weak, he is all powerful. We know little and he knows all things. We are at one place, at one time, he is everywhere. We are by nature evil and yet he is good and always good. We change, he stays the same. We control very little, he is sovereign over all. We are dependent, he is self-sufficient. So being made in the image of God means that there are ways that we are like him and there are ways in which we are not like him. But we were made to reflect what he is like. In Mark chapter 12, the Pharisees come to Jesus trying to trick him up or, or trip him up. And they, they said, Jesus, to whom are we to pay taxes to? And he says, does anyone have a coin? And they brought him a coin and he said, whose inscription is upon it? And they said, it's Caesar's. That's what he says, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render under to, give unto God the things that are God's. But as he pointed to the coin, he says, whose inscription is this? Whose likeness is this? They immediately knew, oh, that's, that's Caesar's. That represents and reflects what he is like. It's kind of like the Chinese Wong where on the front is a, an inscription, an image of the emperor, of the king, or the, the Mexican peso, in which on the front is a face. It's the inscription of the president. It's pointing to the king. Well, you see, every human being bears the image and likeness of the king. Everyone bears the image of God, bears the image of the king. As image bearers, we reflect what the king is like and we show by our mere existence that we were made in his image, which means this, that this right here is an image bearer. This right here, these are image bearers. It means that these are image bearers. 
it means that he is an image bearer. It means that he is an image bearer. It means that all of them are image bearers. It means that he is an image bearer. It means that she is an image bearer. It means that she is an image bearer. It means that he is an image bearer. It means that they are image bearers. It means that they are image bearers. It means that he is an image bearer. They are image bearers. There has never been someone you have met in which they are not an image bearer. To say it conversely, every person you have ever laid eyes on reflects and bears the image of God. They have been fashioned and formed by Almighty God, which means as followers of Jesus, never, never, never are racist or homophobic or sexist or hateful words to ever proceed out of our mouths. James 3, with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people, watch this, who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Never are we to use our words to demean or destroy or devalue any human being. It matters how you speak on social media. The people on the other side are image bearers. And remember, we will one day give an account for our words We should, y'all, and we must disagree with some people and ideas that contradict Scripture sharply. There are fences, there are crystal clear lines that the Bible has set forth that we cannot cross or compromise. But when we speak and act, we are to do so in a way that does not disparage, belittle, slander, or destroy someone who is made in the image of God. But this is, this is why we need the gospel, is that all of us are broken image bearers. And though we reflect what God is like, Sin has distorted and corrupted the perfect relationship and reflection that we once had with God. So when that relationship became broken, God came to us through Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what image bearing is, look to Jesus. He came and modeled and displayed what it means to be a perfect image bearer. And when we turn from our sin and trust in Christ by faith, we then begin the process of recovering and restoring God's original design for us as image bearers. 
Because in Christ, we are new creations. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 10, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. So the gospel restores you back into a right relationship with God and the gospel empowers you to pursue God's original design as an image bearer. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, he is helping you to become more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Here's the challenge, and it's the impact point, and it's this. Consider every image bearer you see as valued and loved by God. Every person you see so that person sitting next to you in traffic with the rainbow bumper sticker, they're made in the image of God. That man in the nursing home who needs help eating, he bears the image of God. That terrified girl walking out of the abortion clinic, she bears the image of God. That neighbor who votes the opposite party is you, they bear the image of God. That woman with skin color that has a different hue than yours, she bears the image of God. Every person you meet has value because they were made by God. And ultimately, every person is a reflection of what God is like. And God says to every image bearer, I love you so much. And he proves it through a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb. This is the gospel. And it applies to every image bearer you see. Let's go and tell.